Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me today is a man here who is excited for Ted Lasso Season 3. It's Logan Stump. Coming from you live and in person from the Midwest, we're here in Florida and Maryland. So <laughs> actually, you are technically the South. So welcome, Jordan. Yeah, underneath the Mason-Dixon line is <laughs> South. Though I think Maryland was in the North for the war. So I think we were pretty evenly split, actually. But uh, if we if we were going by the Civil War... But yes, we are here. We are going to be talking uh, a few teams here. We're going to be talking St. Louis, Nashville, Cincinnati, Chicago, Columbus. We will wait to talk about their kits for our YouTube exclusive video. You're going to make sure you want to watch that one. But uh, yeah, Logan, who do we got joining us today? Got to get off, off mute. Um, yeah, so we actually going to talk St. Louis SC, St. Louis City SC. Sorry, that's going to take forever to learn. And we're going to have the guys from Ball watching St. Louis uh, on to uh, talk about all things St. Louis. And I can't wait to kind of get on and talk to them because I'm a, I'm a Cubs fan, but I know the St. Louis fan base pretty well. So I'm excited to get these guys on to come talk with us about that. And I think it's Jake and Justin joining us from Ball watching St. Louis. So excited about that one. All right, so let's go ahead and welcome in our guest. And we are back from our break, and we have Jake and Justin joining us today from uh, the ball. Uh, sorry, from ball watching a St. Louis City SC podcast. And let's. Uh, how how are you guys today? Doing well, doing well. Glad to be here, and glad to be ten days away from the home opener here for for City. It's starting to get exciting around St. Louis. Yeah, I bet. So, so this is, uh, I, so I've been following the league since like 2007. So, uh, I've seen so much of these expansion teams coming in, but really we've recently had a huge string of expansion teams coming in recently, like Austin a couple years ago, Nashville was recently, am I missing a team that just joined the league? I think Charlotte, Charlotte. Yes. (laughs) I totally blanked on them. Sorry, Charlotte. Um, but yeah, so we've had a lot of recent teams coming in, uh, Cincinnati. But just like, what is the vibe of St. Louis, and what did it mean to like get St. Louis a uh, like an MLS team, especially after a team like the the Rams uh, had left? Ooh, still bitter, still bitter about the Rams here in St. Louis for sure. But it it's meant the world. Uh, speaking for the city here. I mean, we had a couple failed attempts, some better than others to get an MLS side here uh, in the last couple of years, especially one that got even to a vote uh, that did not pass. And this was something that I think Justin, I don't want to speak for you, but something we didn't expect after seeing the other effort die. Uh, It's, it's been the world. I mean, seeing the stadium go up and all of the activation and what the club is doing from a community perspective as well, as, as well as the sporting side has been obviously very exciting for us, but it's been amazing to watch all unfold. And we've had a good amount of time to actually come to grips with it, given we got a little bit of a gap year with COVID uh, hitting when it did. So we've been, we've had some extra time to develop. So the, the interest has been just building and building over the last couple of years here. And uh, we've been very stoked to be a part of it. So it's been awesome. St. Louis, I think, always deserved a team, and it's a soccer hub and 
building its way back as a capital, hopefully, and one of the great places uh, and birthplaces of soccer in the States. Yeah, just kind of building off what Jake said, uh, it has been a long time coming, and we really didn't expect it after the first uh, failed attempt. Uh, I think it was back in 2017, but yeah, it almost it feels surreal that we're only 10 days out, like Jake said earlier. And I think the fans, as you mentioned already, Jordan, that once once the Rams left, we kind of had a, a hole that we needed to fill, and people obviously are, were not happy with that timing. And I think soccer is the perfect perfect fit for that. It's really helping the downtown area. Uh, St. Louis City SC is for also for soccer capital as a play on for them as well. So really bringing that back to the heart of America. And it's just exciting to have some new rivalries with like Kansas City and Chicago. Yeah, so I, I find it interesting because, uh, you know, talking about losing a team, I'm I'm in Baltimore. So, you know, I was growing up while the Colts were gone. The Ravens mm. weren't here yet. So there was this whole vibe amongst um, my families and stuff that were uh, very anti-NFL at that time. They weren't watching it a lot. Have you guys kept up with anything? Is there a contingent of St. Louis fans that are now LA Rams fans? Or are they like, like, how did that, how did that go? I'm just curious. I, you know, it's tough. I, I feel like there's different sects of St. Louis that still support mm-hmm. NFL. I would say generally speaking, most people felt burned by the situation, obviously hate Stan Kroenke for what yep. he did and probably just love the NFL as a league. Now there are also people in St. Louis that probably do still follow the Rams. I've met some people that, you know what, they moved. I'm still going to support them. It was probably pretty easy back when they were pretty good uh, two years ago. And then probably not many fans this year of them, but uh, you, you have this, you have the chiefs contingent as well. Uh, Justin, I don't know if you've heard anyone else that kind of jump ship to a different type of team, but there's definitely a very split faction. Yeah, I would say a lot of people moved over to Kansas City because that technically is still in Missouri. Um, I think that was also a pretty easy bandwagon, so I did not yeah. jump ship to there. Uh, I also became more of just a fan of the NFL. I know a couple of my friends, one of them essentially spun a wheel, my roommate, and he landed on the Raiders. So he's a huge Raiders guy now, which is also <laughs> not easy to be. Um, and a couple other people just <laughs> did, kind of did something similar. One of my buddies I work with sent an email out to every team, and the first one that responded was the Chiefs. And so he hopped on the Chiefs bandwagon with that. So some random things going on, but I would say the majority of people fell off the Rams bandwagon just with how it ended with Kroenke. Yeah. I always find it fascinating just because, and we were doing Chicago. I promised Jordan I wouldn't do this, but I've got to do it because I'm a Cubs fan, diehard Cubs fan. So I, you know, talking to anybody in St. Louis just kind of gets the bane of my existence. But that being said, the Cardinals I've always respected as a, as a franchise. I know you guys had John Mazalock on, which I was like, that's fascinating. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm shocked that you got. I was looking at your guys' YouTube, kind of watching some videos and stuff, just trying to get some background on what St. Louis is going to be like as a soccer city. But can you kind of talk – because being a Cubs fan, watching the Cardinals play in St. Louis, watching them invade Wrigley Field like it was their home, um, can you guys talk to kind of how – like? How does this fan base really get behind this club? Do you feel like it's going to be a massive uh, fan base? And is it going to be like one of those top fan bases that we kind of see with somebody like Cincinnati who comes into the league? Nashville's getting up there. It seems like that area of you know the country just seems to get behind their teams pretty well. Yeah, yeah certainly. Go ahead, Justin. You start us off on this one. I'd say I think, you know, uh, Logan, obviously, with seeing the Cardinals that we have some of the best fans, especially for baseball. When it comes to that, the Blues winning the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago really helped out with their fan base as well. And just kind of some numbers for how that's going to transfer into city. I mean, one thing that we saw pre-COVID was the XFL. We ended up having the best attendance rate out of that. And they actually opened up the upper bowl of the dome um, 
for the last game that they were going to have until it dropped right before COVID. But um, as far as season ticket holders go for St. Louis, I, the, the numbers are escaped me at the beginning. Jay, correct me if I'm wrong on these, but I believe we sold 66,000 uh, season ticket yeah. um, wow. uh, prescriptions, I guess if you just kind of say, um, for yeah. the city team this year. And it's only 22,500 uh, person stadium. So way oversold that. I think there's 30 boxes. We sold 90 season ticket boxes. And it's kind of like a loan that, they were able to use and then you get your money back obviously if you don't um didn't get those season tickets but then uh regular season game uh tickets just went on sale i believe last week they sold out the first game within minutes um so i think people are just really excited to be supporting another team what are you gonna say jake yeah no you, i think you hit it on the head i think we they st louis has always been a city that just shows out for the sports team regardless kind of of the sporting uh, winning or not. I mean, the Blues won their Stanley Cup and that was great. It cultivated even more fans. But before there was always loyal fans, even for the Rams, when they were tanking on purpose uh, to go to L.A., there were still a lot of fans. That's where the heartbreak was there. And for the club, we've seen nothing but the same. I mean, the, the, the response on the season ticket holders has been triple, quadruple what they had capacity for. So the wait list is longer than the actual season ticket holders right now. So to get this ticket, it's one of the hottest in town. People are moving events because of the home opener. Like it, it's just going to be a big moment in the city to have everyone down there, especially in downtown. The downtown's really trying to grow back in St. Louis. It's not really a place to go, and at least it hasn't in the last couple of years. So having the stadium there, having all the facilities there downtown is something I think that's pretty unique to the MLS and to sporting in general. It's all located in downtown West for us. And you can see it all when you drive across the highway or drive down the roads. I, I The response from the fans has been incredible. And I expect to see nothing less when we actually do fill the stadium for our, our first home game. How close is it to Bush Stadium? I've been a couple of times just because my brother's a Cardinals fan. So obviously we went to Salt Lake Cubs there. How close is it to the Bush Oh man, do you have an exact distance, Justin? I it's it's it not far. It is not far at all. It's really close to the Blues as well, okay. the Enterprise Center. Yep. So I think we're all uh, on the same street. Yeah. So on, we have Market Street, um, which pretty much connects everything. But the Blues. So we have City, and then right on the other side of the road, literally across the street, is Union Station. Um, and then I think it's three blocks from there is where the Blues play. And then I would say at most uh, a quarter mile to Bush Stadium downtown. So it's really, wow. yeah. really interesting to see on a nice day. It's really very easy to just walk between each of the, uh, each of the different venues. Mm -hmm. So with a, with a new expansion team, there always comes the, you know, the crest, the kit, all of that kind of stuff. Um, how have those gone over in St. Louis? Now I see both of you repping the St. Louis city badge on merchandise here, but uh, was that like a home run for St. Louis fans or were there some apprehensions about how it looked or um, as an outsider, I really like the secondary badge a lot too, like that I've seen around, but yeah. Well, how did that hit like with the color scheme, all that kind of stuff? How did that go over with the fans? The, it, it was actually pretty fan driven, it, it, which helps because they took submissions for ideas on even like the team name and the logo and the colors and the colors really reflect a lot of the colors that are important to the city uh, in terms of red, you know, red's a really prominent part of our flag, the blue with the Mississippi and the Missouri rivers and the gray with uh, the arch, the stainless steel. So it's really meaningful. And I think when you have that type of brand that's built on things that we're all familiar with and we take pride in here. I think it's an easy win. The city pink was definitely something to get used to. It's, it's bright and it's really different. And it's not like Cardinal red. It's a lot brighter. 
But I would say generally everyone had to that wanted to get into the pre uh, sale for the the jersey had to get in there blindly. We didn't see what it was going to look like, but nonetheless, thousands of people flocked to it and picked up on the first day. And that's a big chance just to take and spend you know that much money on something you haven't even seen. So I would say overwhelmingly that the response has been great. I'm excited to see what the away kit ends up looking like on Friday. I have a feeling it's going to be silver or like stainless steel color uh, from some of the inklings that we've picked up on. But I think the response has been crazy crazy good despite it being a little bold yeah i completely agree and i like i like what jake said there we i kind of thought when it first came out it was going to be like a cardinal red and we were just going to stick with that whole theme i like that it's a different tint um originally when they first came out they correct me if i'm wrong jake it was it was a little bit more red and then they made it a little bit more pink as they kind of when they first dropped it it a little bit more red now it's been a little bit transitioned to a pinker side but it's been it's been a great uh showing for everybody in st louis i would say if you're walking around in any park or anything, I would say the majority of the time you will see someone wearing something city already, which is great to see not even playing first game. Yep. Yeah. So kind of getting into, uh, I guess the team, let's talk about it. Cause I think that's what everybody kind of wants to know. And honestly, uh, I, I heard it perfectly uh, explained on extra time today that they were said, it's basically like a black box. It's basically, you don't really know what you're getting when you've got so many players coming over that are not really MLS specific players, because a lot of times, uh, while they do have some of that core, they do have a lot of players that are coming over that are international. So I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on what you guys have heard and maybe have seen. But what are who are some players that, uh, if you're looking from the outside in and you don't really know this team, who are some players that the city's excited about, that the, the franchise is excited about, and maybe some of the DPs that have come in? Yeah, I, I so I think the, the first immediate one, if you're at all a soccer fan, especially abroad, uh, in Europe, I think the font, the one that struck it, at least shocked me initially was our goalkeeper in Roman Berkey and making a lot of money for sure. And that's a lot to invest in a goalkeeper. But he's a guy that I think most of us probably recognize his name, at least from his time at Dortmund and, um, you know, playing in the Champions League and with Christian Pulisic. That's, that's easy to recall. But uh, I think he's an exciting one. Will he be worth that type of money? And what does he have left at, at age 32? And goalie can make a huge difference. So I, I'm excited to have someone that's, you know, a veteran in that position, regardless of MLS experience or not. Um, another defender that I think strikes me, we're not going to start with him, but uh, Joachim Nilsson is uh, coming over from Germany as well, but he's Swedish uh, in origin, a guy that I think could be a top center back in the league when healthy, of course, he's not going to be with us for the first couple of months, unfortunately. Um, but he's, I mean, Sweden men's national team would have been at the World Cup this year had they qualified and he stayed healthy. Um, and I think we have a great MLS experience partner next to him and Tim Parker. Um, I know Tim's got tons of MLS experience, even a couple men's national team caps here uh, in the U.S. So I think for me, when you look at defense and in the back part of the of the field, I think I'm pretty confident in what we've got in terms of experience. I think we get a little bit less experience as we move up. And I don't know, Justin, if you wanted to talk about some of the midfield or, or strikers we have. Yeah. And I, I think just kind of also to bring this all together, um, the one thing that loops final steel has really done the sporting director is we're not looking for those big name guys. We're not looking for the superstar, we're looking for the right players. And I think that's extremely important with this. Um, and it is difficult. Like you said, like you guys already mentioned players coming from all over the world. We do have a couple of guys also from the MLS with Tim Parker, uh, Indiana Vasilev and so, some other transfers that we brought in, but Looking as we kind of work our way up, I do think that we do have, I think our defense and our core right there is probably our strongest point. 
but then we are able to kind of get within some other international guys as you move forward. And I think some of the exciting ones, Isaac Jensen, who's 19, coming over from Denmark. Um, you can also look at, we go straight up to the top with uh, Joao Klaus is going to be our main guy up top and scoring for us. And then without skipping through the midfield, also looking at Edu Leuven, I think he's going to be an extremely uh, strong holder for us from Germany. And we kind of get a little bit more spacey once we get out on the wings and, and some exciting stuff. I know uh, just signed a homegrown player, first one, uh, Caden Glover. He's only 15, so he'll be getting a lot of caps with City too, but hopefully you can maybe see him come up in their ranks as well throughout the year. But I think just – It's a mixed bag. It's like you you have some deep experience, some deep MLS experience. You have some with virtually no experience that we're kind of taking a flyer on and hoping that they come through. So it's a really, really unique like melting pot type of squad. So I'm excited to see them. Yeah, I think one that really excited, just weirdly enough, but just because it's MLS experience, I I was really excited when they got Tim Parker, just because I thought, you know, he comes from Vancouver, he goes to Red Bull, then he jumps back over to Houston, and it's like Houston just didn't know what to do, and Tim Parker became this huge thing with the Red Bull, and now he comes over to St. Louis, and now he's got all these guys that are coming to the league for the first time, and I just, and with a lot of their young players, because what I'd read that they just, like, the the city too, just, it, it's tons of players that are coming up from that system and that academy. But I think having a guy like Tim Parker, you need MLS experience. You need that center back, that anchor. And I feel like that's exactly what they're getting with him. Agreed. I think he's going to be able to show some of these young guys the ropes, but then also all of our international players that we brought over, just getting them the experience. And once you're trying, I know it's going to be a lot more travel for some of the go- those guys and what they're used mm-hmm. to over in Europe. So kind of some of those things that you wouldn't think of just in a soccer sense that he's really going to be able to bring to the team and show them, show them how it's done. A potential captain. You mentioned Tim Parker. I, I could see him being named the captain as well. It's we've seen reports and, and limited coming from the preseason, but I, I have a significant inclination he could be named the captain come game one. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned Roman Berkey, who I feel like we usually in MLS don't get a lot of like big name goalkeepers coming over. Uh, there was one a while ago for the Union, uh, Fyred Mundrag- Mundragoon, and he was a awful flop. Uh, now, I'm not saying Berkey will be, but I'm just saying, like, how important is it? Uh, like, are they stressing the importance on the defense, like you said, because they did get Parker and Berkey? And uh, I guess just how do you see that going with, you know, Berkey coming in and going to have a lot of pressure to maybe – you know, be at a level well above the rest of these MLS goalkeepers. I think it's key. I think not to be too cliche, but defense wins championships. And I think having him as your rock is one of the most important things we could have done as a team. And not surprising at all. When you look at Lutz's career, being a goalkeeper playing on all seven continents professionally um, or six of seven, if I have that incorrect, but, and I think he also backing that with Tim Kelly, who we also had on our podcast, one of the best goalie coaches in America, I think that they're really trying to build around him. And I think it's going to be extremely important going into the first year, knowing that some of these games could get out of hand or could, and we could be having a lot of press on us and having Roman back there as kind of our shot stopper and also being able to um, dish with his feet. And the style that we're going to be playing is very high press. And I will probably talk about that later as well, but he's very good to be able to get up and back and very fit. And he can play very well underneath of some pressure and still be able to distribute well. Yeah, I, it, it's a big name, and I, but I do not think that was the reason for the signing. Or 
I, I think Roman fits what we're trying to do. And while I do think he will have high expectations thrust upon him, I, I do think he will be responsible for not just shot stopping, not just goalkeeping or grabbing crosses. I think he will be one to start attacks, to cut out attacks before they even begin on breakaways or, or long through balls. Uh, he is going to be counted on for a lot of those things. And I think also the element of experience comes back here. I mean, the guy's seen a lot in his career and he still has some runway as a goalie. Do I, do I know or am I confident it'll be worth the money we're spending? I don't know. I know there can be flops and I'm, you know, that might happen, but I also know that goalies, it's hard to look at good teams and not see a pretty sturdy or strong goalie in that mix. Uh, you look at, you know, even some of the past Premier League winners in Liverpool and Man City. I mean, Ederson, you know, and Allison are, are both solid, solid top goalkeepers. And it's not often you see a team that just has a goalie as their weak point that's doing well. Um, so I think if we're doing well, he's probably doing well as, as well. Yeah, so it looks like Bradley Carnell is coming over from the Red Bull, and I think you guys alluded to the fact that it does seem like this team is going to one, and I think this is perfect just because I think this is the way that most of these teams in that kind of region of the United States kind of build their squad, and I like it a lot more than I think maybe like an L.A. or Miami where they yeah. try to go for glitz and glamour. It seems like in this region, it's much more about collective ball and playing defense, getting in tough positions where teams don't want to play getting in the attacks, uh, you know, face and not letting it relentless pressure. It seems like the Red Bull system of defense and that pressure, it, that high pressure is coming over to St. Louis. Is that, are we right to think that Bradley's yeah. bringing that over for, for St. Louis? I, I love that by the way. Yeah. They're, they're billing it already. They're calling it energy drink soccer uh, is a team is a term that I've <laughs> seen tossed around, but you got to think these guys are running their tails off in practice and preseason to get fit for this. A lot of them already have it somewhere in their locker. Either they, they played in the system that was like it, or they played at the Red Bull, um, or they've just been scouted because of those qualities that they have. Like this whole system and philosophy is what they recruited on. Uh, so they've really gone out and been intentional about building the system versus getting the players and trying to build a system around the players. So it's a little bit reverse of what you see sometimes in different leagues or even around the MLS. But I think it's a different approach. And I, I for one, am definitely excited to see it as well. It's going to be awesome. We got a small taste of it uh, this past year with City, too. And just going to those games, seeing the excitement of we are going high press balls to the walls, just everybody's flying all over the field. And I think that's the most important thing, like Jake said, is everybody has to be all in on that system because if one leg or one person doesn't do their job, it completely falls apart. So I think that's really what Lutz is trying to get to is getting these guys to gel and actually become teammates as opposed to, like Jake said, just a, a single superstar here or there. So you just mentioned City 2, right? How much of an edge do you think that gives – your team compared to some of these other new teams that did not have their secondary team playing meaningful games before they enter MLS. Because if this is really going to be like a top down, like we're sending this approach throughout our whole organization, there should be some sort of, uh, you know, fruits from that labor. Right. Yeah. I would say, and then I'm trying to remember when we first had some of these guys coming over, but we've had guys that not only just getting used to the soccer sense, but also the culture here and the time zone difference and all of that. Um, they've been here for, I want to say over nine months, um, the majority of the guys. So just one getting, getting used to St. Louis, but then also, like you said, mentioned Jordan, that 
with these games, they were actually not just being on the field. Everybody knows these guys can play soccer, but getting to play together in some of these games and get getting strong minutes. Um, and City 2 did a very good job in their season this past year or so um, and playing in the Open Cup and getting used to traveling and all of that. So it's been really important to some of these guys. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, City 2 was almost like a pilot experiment, I think, for the club. They, they were very fortunate to have that opportunity to don you know some of our first team future players as well as players that are kind of borderline could make that jump and I think it worked for plenty of reasons one we got to see that philosophy and that style that energy drink soccer started there and play at a professional level against some good competition you got to keep you know your guys fresh and actually getting minutes in a competitive type league you know not albeit it's the MLS next pro it's not MLS but still good to get the minutes good to get the camaraderie going and really I think good to get them acclimatized to United States, to American soccer. It is not the same as what you see in Europe, especially when you think about travel and you think about culture. So I think it served a lot of purposes. We obviously went to the, the championship as well, which is great. I, I think we should have given them the talent we had playing for our team, but a, a huge opportunity and one I hope we reap the benefits of when we start the season. Yeah, so looking at the team, um, I know that, that it's just been preseason, and like you said, Jake, I think it's it's it. We always talk about it on this show. Preseason for MLS needs to change. I don't know how they get that done, but it's one of the worst because you just don't have any idea what your team looks like before they even step on the pitch, especially right. ex expansion side. I don't know how you guys do it. I don't. I know like maybe you guys have connections from the club, or maybe you hear from people that you have connections with, or whatever it might be, or just following the coverage from a, a distance yeah not even not even <laughs> like the no streams but right. like when you'll have a tweet that says we're playing today against nycfc and we have declared we are not sharing any facts about the match i'm like great yeah. nice to know that the game is going well then. <laughs> it's brutal it's brutal i we've all been clamoring for people to you know sneak in there and get a stream going and it, i've heard it might change next season i know apple wasn't ready in time to try to even attempt to stream some of these games so i'm optimistic about it getting better but it's been like you have to dig you you can read the newspaper the next day we do have some great reporting uh, out of st louis for guys that have that media credential access that we can get some reports from but in terms of meaningful content it's slim to none at this point we're parsing starting 11s and second 11s together and uh, maybe sometimes the opposite Twitter account for the other team is maybe tweeting out some things about it, like live updates. But even that, the value is just not there. So preseason, I agree, definitely in line to get disrupted and improved upon because I don't know how much worse it could get in terms of access. Real quick, you mentioned that about the other team maybe tweeting. So we had this yeah. situation where I'm a Philadelphia Union fan. Yeah. They're the closest team to me. And uh, they were playing against the Revolution. And only the union had the blog going and the revs fans were reacting to that. And one of the revs social media people said, that isn't true. I will show you the highlights later. I'm like, so we can't even believe these blogs. Like, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> the union are good. Actually, the union were they, the yeah, ones that open. I've seen. Yeah. They were their first pre. I think that was our first preseason game was against the union. And I was following you guys to get mm -hmm. updates on us. Cause we didn't have it at that time. May not have been true. According to the revolution. Yeah. Right. Right. Media. So I guess take Subject. that with a grain of salt. <laughs> 
I was going to say you could pull the Austin FC because we when we we covered Austin Austin in their first expansion season and they had guys like on ladders like at training facilities yeah. and they're like you got to get down you can't just so I just picture them like trying to find St. Louis and going I don't know where they are but we got to find the training facilities yep. and try to find where these guys are playing usually at colleges kind of trying to hide from different mm -hmm. teams but right yeah, it's, it's just insane to me I don't know how you guys do it so kudos to you guys for digging as much as you have and uh, kind of that wealth of knowledge but I guess what are some things that maybe you're concerned with uh, going forward in 2023 like what are some things that you still feel like the team might need addressing uh, as they kind of start kick off their first season that's a good question uh, and, and I we I think we have plenty of questions that are open and needing answering and probably will be answered sooner sooner than later here I, I think when we talk about the team we talk about a lot of potential and there are some definitely proven guys like a Berkey or like a Nilsson out on the pitch that will definitely be able to contribute. But I think there's a lot of untapped. We don't know what this person could be. They're an unknown quantity at this point. They could be excellent and could develop into one of our stars and a regular starter, or they could kind of fizzle out. Maybe this, maybe this league isn't for them. So I think for me, it's tapping into those inexperienced or younger players. And we've also got a lot of guys that just really didn't get the minutes they were wanting at their clubs. Uh, so it's when we give them an extended look in a philosophy and a style that's very solidified and concrete of what we expect of them, can they build up to being a regular contributor and producing goals or assists or whatever their role might be? I think we've taken a flyer on quite a few guys here, and we're hoping that we uncover a couple diamonds in the rough. So I think that's one of the biggest things for me. Yeah, I would kind of piggyback off that as well. My concern is probably our scoring. I know we've already talked about how strong we think the back line is going to be, but there's going to be a lot of reliance on Joao Klaus, um, which can be a good thing. I think he can be a proven scorer as well, and hopefully with the system we'll get some some trash goals as well, just turnovers in the back just by our press. But um, that was kind of the one thing that I was a little concerned about when we went to the uh, the game that we had, and I, I know it was very early on. It was in December. Um, it was Leverkusen. Like, yeah, Bayern Leverkusen yeah. Um, at, at the new stadium stadium itself is incredible, but I think we obviously didn't have many chances in that game. And I, it's hard to use that as one of the things to really press against knowing that Bayer Leverkusen's champions league quality team, but just looking at that game kind of walked away. I was like, yeah, it was really exciting. It was a lot of fun, but I just, I don't, I'm hoping we can create some more chances than what I saw that day. Yeah. yeah that's the other question. There's the system is like, will this yeah. system be implemented? Well, it's a great system. If you can do it well, if not, everyone's on the same page, you're not executing as a team. It could also be a huge weakness. I mean, if we can't press effectively and we get beat or the press gets beat regularly, we are going to be beat regularly. Uh, and that's just, that's just, that's just one of the weaknesses. If you can't do it well, it's almost like don't do it at all because you're leaving yourself exposed. Well, if that's the case, Jesse Marsh can come over. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, the whole world's kind of turning against the Red Bull system right now with, yeah. you know, leads even before Jesse Marsh with Bielsa. He was running his players into the ground. Right. Uh, but you mentioned you mentioned Klaus, uh, $3.5 million transfer to Hoffenheim, but he, was, he played 41 games in one and a half seasons on loan in Belgium and only had nine goals. Yeah. I guess, is that, a, is that worrying about the lack of goals? Do you think you can adapt or it's always such a coin flip, I think on some of this stuff. Yeah, I think, and that, I think he can adapt. And I think we've seen that in some of the, some of the things that we've, we've been able to lucky enough to see from this preseason as well. Um, but I think it will be a lot of the guys around him as well. I think Isak Yesen coming in from the outside, whipping balls in. Hopefully, 
I don't think Joe Outclass is going to be that guy that takes a guy one-on-one and beats him. I think it's going to be holding the ball up, turn and hit, or hit one out of the air um, on a corner or a free kicker, and he, the ball's whipped in. But I think he can adapt. I, I do. I am cautiously optimistic with him there. He took a while in City, too. He actually got some minutes there to get kind of spun up and going. Mm-hmm. But once he did, he became one of the more productive players in that league. And, hey, that's not saying a whole lot. Right, right. But for him to get on the score sheet and to contribute there, I think one of the things that it, we, we're going to judge him by goals for sure, but I don't want to judge him solely by goals. I think in a system like this, if he is holding the ball so we can get more players at the field or he's freeing up space for a winger to get in behind, whatever that role might be, I think – that's how I want to judge him. It's definitely going to be leaning on him to get some of those goal threats in. But I think we have some good wingers as well that could also chip in and contribute uh, on that side of things. So it'll be really interesting to see what he is. I think he's one of the guys that our season could hinge a little bit on. You know, was he worth the gamble? Is he going to pay off? Because I think if he is, he could be an excellent striker. If, if what we're thinking is true is true and he proves that. And it, and it also could go the other way. Like maybe he's not and maybe that – the season, like you just mentioned, he had. Maybe that wasn't a blip. Maybe that's just where he's going right now. So we're hoping for the opposite. But he, he will be one that I think our season might live and die on a little bit. So we usually like to ask about what a successful season would be for St. Louis. But before we get there, I do have another question just about the Apple deal and maybe how much you think that may affect the growth of St. Louis City. Um, for people that are maybe not, hundred percent soccer fans, but they got this new team in town. Is that a like a bit of a hurdle to gain fans, even though some of the games will be free, obviously. Yeah. We definitely have my pulse on that situation here. I, I everyone's got different takes on this. I for one love that Apple is this partner because of what Apple has been able to do at virtually everywhere. They revolutionize most industries they enter. Now, soccer is, a, is could be at the forefront of that. I think Apple will dip their toe into other sports as well. You've seen that with baseball already. Um, if they can bring that type of mindset to the MLS, please come right in and disrupt the MLS. I would love to see new forms of content coming here. And I'm excited for what we're going to see here in terms of all the matches and the whip around show and the different types of coverage. But you, you have the paywall there as well, which is definitely something to get over in my opinion, you look at the streaming services and what they're asking for this and the unfettered access you're going to have to MLS. Maybe you're just someone that wants to just support one team. And in that case, it does get a little bit tough to justify because you just want to, you only care about one team, but you're paying for the whole package. You have all these games every single week that you're not really looking into because you're only interested in one team. And in that case, I could see that being a little bit of a paywall uh, to look at and being a little frustrated there. But for someone that's into soccer, I think you're getting significant value for what you're paying in terms of the cost. And I'm really excited about Apple personally. I, I see both sides for sure that, that it's a little bit of a deterrent, but it's also Apple and you get what you pay for with Apple. Typically in my experience, most of us have iPhones or Macs or yeah. iPads. So it's like, they're going to bring the value. Just maybe give it a little bit of time. It's a long partnership. So we'll see what they roll out. I agree. I think they're a little ahead of their game on this one, um, but I do like it. And I, I know the cost may seem a little high, but when you, I think St. Louis specifically, we're already kind of attuned to that uh, with Valley Sports. That's who covers the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And so you either have to have a prescription or a subscription to them specifically and have a Valley Sports account, or you need to have it through your TV provider. So it is something that we're already kind of used to. Um, I do, the price may seem a little high, and I, I hope that doesn't deter too many people, but 
I always try to tell people, look at it as like a per game thing. So what is it? It's like 15 bucks a month. You look at it, we'd probably have four or five games a month. You're looking at three or $4 a game. It's not, that's how I try to look at it at least. Yeah. We're actually both big fans of the Apple deal. It's just, I can see it having maybe a bit of a more issue with a new franchise that's just coming into the, you know, into the league where it's like, you know, you're driving around seeing billboards and they're like, wait, I got to spend $80 or yeah. <laughs> whatever to watch. Right. This. But uh, I think the value is good. And I think it's ahead of the curve in the sense of, you know, we're hearing now baseball try- wants to try to do something without having, um, without having blackouts. Like that's something that they're still targeting at some point. So MLS kind of got ahead of the curve. You mentioned Valley sports. They're, May, might be filing bankruptcy so at least we don't have our teams tethered to uh you know those cable sport networks yeah. at, at this time because it seems to be falling apart there but looking ahead to what could be a success for st louis we asked this for every team every every year um but like what is the benchmark for success is it just not finished last in the west is it you know, if there's nine playoff spots, is it we got to be number nine? Like, what is the gauge here? That's a tough question. And I think if you, you ask different people in St. Louis, you'll probably get a different answer. I try to be as realistic as possible when, when we talk about this. And I definitely want to temper my expectations. I think success for us is going to be a lot of different subjective things. But the one objective thing that I think would be a good thing to shoot for for this team is to push for a playoff spot. And whether that's sneaking in or just missing out, there are other things that I would be more concerned about if I'm club leadership and staff and coaches about how we can prove that this first season was a success. But I think when you think about what fans want to see, they want to see you push for the playoffs. And I think this team is capable of that, but it hinges on the success of other types of things. Like, like we talked about committing to that playing style, executing that playing style. Well, continue to recruit those that fit that and continuing to build on your roster, having competition for, you know, starting positions in the team, fostering a really healthy internal type of culture. There are a lot of things that I point to, like Justin said, goal scoring. Can we score goals this year? Things that I think we're going to hinge our season on, but I think this team could push for a playoff spot. And especially if we're seeing the playoffs could be extended in terms of the format, which we've heard murmurings of, more recently where more teams could be let in, especially in that case, I would say more of a playoff style. But to me, it'll be if we're on that fringe and battling for it, I would think that's a pretty solid objective start to our campaign. Yeah, I, I typically tend to agree with Jake, but I disagree here. If we don't win the cup, it's a it's a flop. No, I'm, I'm, yeah. absolutely, I'm absolutely, absolutely kidding. But I think I agree with Jake. I do think if we're, if we're pushing for a playoff spot, it gets, stays exciting. We can't just completely fought for on the entire year i think it's a win for us um and kind of we are long shots we are the longest shot to win the cup we are currently Mm -hmm. 100 to 1 so you bet a dollar you win 100 while the union i think are only like six to one so showing that large (laughs) gap and i think that's it's it's kind of the case with a lot of these expansion teams but i think we i think we'll have a good season and i would say yeah if we can if we can be kind of fighting for a playoff spot towards the end i think it'll be a good successful first season fans are spoiled Fans are spoiled yeah. here in St. Louis, though. I'm not sure how long they'll want to wait to see the material come back because the Blues and the, I mean the Cardinals especially, but the Blues have you know just won the Stanley Cup. Yep. We'll see what other people say back to that, but that'd be success for us at least in the first season. 
Justin said that was such a straight face. I could hear the Austin people yelling at the podcast, like, hell yeah, they agree with us. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. So, well, so you know, good. that's what you kind of need then, right? You need a second season like Austin where they leapt from like the bottom to second place right. to kind of show, maybe get the fans on board. That That's what we always kind of worry about when we have some of these newer teams or teams that have really good support and then kind of uh, dip a bit. And it's like, okay, how long can you con- can you continue a mediocrity until you lose all the fans that you have? So uh, definitely want to make sure that there's a big leap, you know, next year for Agreed. sure. Yep. Okay, so where can people find uh, your podcast, and how can they follow you, like on social media? Yeah, we're we're I think everywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, we're we're streaming on Buzzsprout as well, our domain. But yeah, ball watching STL is our domain name for our social media handle for Twitter and Instagram. Have a good following on there. We try to keep track of that and, and respond back to people. But Twitter and Instagram, ball watching STL is our handle. Same thing, uh, ball watching STL for YouTube. Like you guys saw, you talked about our interview with John Mosellock. We have some pretty interesting stuff on there. We don't publish as much with just our faces because who wants to see us? But uh, on YouTube, we're trying to put more of our interviews and at ball watching STL is, is the tag there. But otherwise, yeah, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, you can find our podcast there. <laughs> we are back. From our interview with ball watching St. Louis City SC uh, podcast. Did I say that right? Uh, so you can follow them at ball watching STL on Twitter and YouTube. So go ahead and do that. But now we are going to shift our. Let's try this again, Jordan. <laughs> we're, going, we're going to shift our attention to the team of the kit that I'm wearing nashville sc so you know when we're looking at the central and we have all these teams we have all these teams with sc in the title so i'm digging that and we got nashville that we are looking at now head coach is still gary smith let's look back at last year they were in the west for one season they're going to be shifting back to the east they finished fifth in the West, which I think I may have predicted. Don't quote me on that. Because I thought they would go a little bit for, down from third in the East to a tougher West. They scored 52 goals. They gave up 41. And we had the MVP and Golden Boot winner, Hani Mukhtar, on this team. who had 23 goals and seven assists. And now they're going to be going back to the East. So that'll color some of the opinions on how we feel like this team will be doing, but they have one of the best defenses in the league. They had CJ Sapong as second in their goal scoring category with just five. So really a huge drop off after Hani Mukhtar, but I would still say Logan, a successful season for Nashville last year. Yeah. I, I, you know, going to the West, we worried about their travel schedule, what that all looked like. We were really concerned about just the fact that they had to travel so much last year, playing all these Western Conference teams when they go on the road. Um, and really, I mean, they, they played pretty well on the road uh, compared to what, you know, other teams might have. But I think the big thing with them, Jordan, is just the fact that they do have MVP caliber player, uh, Hani Mukhtar, who also wins the Golden Boot and really look like one of those historic seasons for the central midfielder. And just, 
anytime that he gets going, uh, I mean, this team he can put on his back because he oftentimes has to. The fact that CJ Sapong is second in scoring with just five goals last year, and we'll get into some of the concerns that we have going forward just with this team. But I think the concerns that kind of haunted them last year will also haunt them again this year, um, even more to an extent I think that they might not be ready for. Um, but really, if you look at one of these, uh, if you look at Nashville, Jordan, you're always going to look at a team that's very solid defensively. Um, and Walker Zimmerman is kind of that anchor. Uh, he is a DP, so he, he provides that punch uh, that you really need in the back uh, back line. Um, I'm always shocked that they still have him, like just to absolutely just um, pull the sheets over and, and get uh, a guy like Walker Zimmerman in uh, in their first season, which is phenomenal. But yeah, I think the, the story was pretty much the same. Their defense is just so good, and Hani Mukhtar um, might be the best player in this league over the last, I would argue, three or four years. So definitely the last two. Yeah, I thought he should have won MVP the year before, and I thought he was pretty accurate for MVP last year. So I mean, it's he's close. Uh, he should have really like two back-to-back MVPs at this time. Uh, so they did lose David Romney, uh, Nikola v- uh, Vujnovic, and Ake Loba, but they did bring in Fafa Pico. Uh, he's on like his fifth MLS team at this point, maybe third. Sorry, uh, Nick Depoy, uh, who is center back depth behind Zim and Mar, and we're kind of looking at going forward. Will their defense be as good? They are moving to the east, which I think both of us have agreed that is a much easier conference than the west. Much easier. <laughs> uh, so they're re- pretty much rolling it back with the same roster, but adding Fafa Pico in the attack, which I, I like. I think Fafa can help this team, but the issue still becomes a question of can you have somebody – that has more than five goals as your second highest goal scorer. That's probably a a question I really have. You know, they scored 52. 23 of them come from Hani Mukhtar. That's almost half. And then he assisted the other seven, which is 30. So he contributed 30 out of 52 of their goals. If he gets injured, if he falls down just a little peg on his form, that can be disastrous for this team. But a disaster for this team is probably still finishing ninth in the East, which is probably a playoff spot at this point. So I think even with that, they'll probably be safe. So I don't know. What are your thoughts as they move back to the East and looking ahead to what they could potentially do this season? I mean, I really just think it all their success. And this is one of the only teams that I can really think of like this, except maybe New England when New England had a really good team, uh, or sorry, had a really good midfielder in Carlos Heel. And then you see what happens around him. He just doesn't have a team around him. So he's just kind of out there on his own. Reynoso, I think, is very similar in this sense. I think Hani Mukhtar, the good thing is Nashville does have one of the best defenses and has had for a couple of years now. I think that helps tremendously because you can make up sometimes for that. Uh, lack of attacking uh, prowess that you really need in this league. But I think, like you said, Jordan, this East is so weak, and I think people forget how weak it is. I actually heard extra time. They were they said, uh, I think MGM has them finishing third on the season. Hello, Kat. Um, finishing third on the season, and they were all going under. And then some of them were even saying, I think it was Doyle said that he would not be shocked to see this team finish right on the cusp at seven or whatever it might be. And I just don't, I don't see that with this East. I really don't like, I really, 
I really have a hard time pinpointing anybody that's going to be better than them defensively in the East besides the Union. So, and defense wins games in this league. Like it is one of those things that and if you can defend in this league, like you, you know, you can really, really play at a high level. And I think RSL is a really good testament to that. They don't ever really have a good attack, but they just defend and they always make the playoffs. So it's like, I think Nashville moving into the East, I don't see this team below a fourth spot or fifth spot, to be honest with you. Like fourth or fifth might be their breaking point unless things go crazy. I would agree. I mean, look, NYCFC has lost a lot of players. This is not going to be – I don't think this NYCFC team is going to sniff the conference finals again. I don't think they're going to be a top two or three Eastern Conference team, which means that I would think if Union stay first, I think we're looking at maybe you could have Nashville two or three. I really think that they can claim that spot because who else is going to take it? Maybe Orlando. That's going to be a huge jump, but it's a lot of players that – are coming into the league that haven't been here before. So that's what I kind of caution against putting all your eggs in the Orlando basket at this time. This Nashville team should feel more at home in the East. They might think, oh my God, this is so much easier. We're playing <laughs> we're playing Chicago. <laughs> Jordan, stop our previewing of this episode. You can't be doing but we're gonna be redoing. We are really. We're, we're be playing Chicago. We're playing yeah. DC. Like, yeah. there's this yep. different vibe than when you're playing against, um, hell, even like you know San Jose, uh, you know, which is probably the is the like the worst team over in 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 the West. So, I'm thinking they're gonna feel a little better. This is a conference that they've been in before. I think they're gonna feel a lot more comfortable. The travel may not be as hard. I don't know. I, I can't. I think a successful season for this club, if they finish fifth in the West, you should finish third in the East. That's what I'm going to say. Successful season is third in the East. And making it past a round or two in the playoffs, um, I think they got to do that. Now, I will say this. They will not be a challenge to the union, mark this down, because they don't have that next player. Like, I, I think – they are not on a level like, yes, could they beat the union in a playoff game? Yeah. Anything's possible, especially in this game. I think soccer, especially, but I think if you're going off of just pure talent, that's going to be in Subaru park. Uh, I'd imagine unless all things go haywire with the union and they just kind of fall down somewhere. I just don't see where this, I, I just don't see where this team could beat a Philadelphia union, LAFC and Austin, um, you may be looking at a Red Bull team that's really good. Even if Cincinnati keeps most of their core together and find somebody to replace Brenner, like that team could legitimately make that yeah, jump into yeah, the spot. Yeah. So like it, it really is. It's a, it's a matter of Jordan. I think you're right. I think third is a successful season for them because I think translating it from the West to the East, I think the third spot is relatively where they sat and the people might go, well, that isn't that kind of average. I'm like, no, because I think, they are good defensively, and then I think they just need that extra push, man. If they just sign one more player, and Fafa might be it, but they just need to find that one player that's going to finish some goals for them, and it's not currently there. Yes, uh, that that is what I would probably agree with, too. When I'm looking at Paco, I don't think he's going to be the big difference maker, just looking at his goal scoring record, 18 goals in 61 games for the Dynamo, three goals for Dallas in 2020 in 18 matches, 
21 goals for the union in 89 matches. So, I mean, he actually scored a little better rate at Dynamo. So maybe, maybe he could, but it's not going to be, it's probably going to be five to seven goals this year, um, which is not enough of an upgrade, right? So that that's probably the goal scoring is, is really what we have to worry about. Honey has to put this team on his back again and probably have a, MVP season if they want to win MLS Cup. Now, I think they can still finish top three in the East, maybe top four, but I'm going to solidify it with top three. Like you said, it may it may seem, for some people, if we're saying if you're converting fifth in the West to third in the East, it may seem like no improvement. But overall, you're going to look at the number at the end of the year and say, oh, they improved from fifth to third this year. That's great. And then I think the next year they really have to find somebody to supplement Hani Mukhtar and then make a push make a push because you have a team you know and that can really challenge in the east so that's what they're going to need to do but I think we're good to move on from Nashville I'm, I'm glad to have them back in the east I, I th- we needed more teams like this in the east again yes so excited FC Cincinnati head coach is Pat Noonan. He had a fantastic season last year, fifth in the East. Brandon Vasquez and Brenner both scored 18 goals, while Brenner had six assists and Vasquez had eight. Lucho had 10 goals with 12 assists, and they spent most of the season in a 3-5-2, and they still had some issues defensively. They gave up 56 goals. Now, they did have some players leave. Jeff Cameron, one of those defenders that they had last season that they brought in a year or two ago to try to shore up that defense. Uh, Alan Cruz, Matarita, and Tyler Blackett all gone. And coming in, they have Colombian center back Yersan Mosquera, and they also have left wing back Isaiah Foster, uh, who is going to be uh, who is from the USL championship. And then they also bring in uh, right wing back Santiago Arias, uh, Arias, uh, the 31 year old Colombian venture veteran who has spent the last decade with Atletico Madrid and PSV Eindhoven. But th- with all those arrivals, Logan, there's question marks on the return of Brenner, Lucho, and Brandon Vasquez, right? But last season, huge success. They played a hell of a match against the Union. Uh, the Union have started dubbing them Union Junior, right? They are. They've taken their. They've taken Chris Albright as GM. They've took Pat Noonan as coach. They brought over some Union former players. They are literally like following the blueprint that Ernst Tanner has put for the union. And here they are fifth place in the East was successful for them, but where do they go this year? And what are those question marks about Brenner and Vasquez? Yeah. So uh, Brandon Vasquez over the summer, we thought had a really good chance of leaving Um, offers came in Jordan, lots of them really good offers. I think upwards of 10 million. I think they were like right around $12 million for Brandon Vasquez. I can't remember who was it. Was it Nottingham? 
No, I don't know. There was one recently of Club Atlas. That was right? Brenner. Uh, that's what. It, that's who it was. Atlas was him, and I think Brenner was Nottingham. That's who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so. Brenner was Nottingham. I think his was like eighteen million. Like the Union, or sorry, <laughs> Union Junior were going to make a ton of money. Like I'm talking thirty million, and then if they decided to sell Lucho, I mean, they, they, this this team would be rolling in cash. That being said, you do have a lot of question marks and. I think some uncertainty um, that really it's too bad for this team because it's there. They finished fifth in the East and Brenner hasn't reported to camp yet, um, which is really strange to me that he hasn't reported Jordan and the MLS went after Reynoso, but not after Brenner. I think maybe because he is there, but he's just not training. I think specifically with the team just yet because Brenner tried to force a move over the line. He, I mean, he was getting a break, Jordan. He was going to the premier league. Um, and I think, Ultimately, that falls apart uh, around the deadline, so he doesn't get that to go through, which is it's soul crushing. I mean, it's just kind of like the uh, Julian Arujo, which I, Jordan and I can go batter crazy for that one because I don't understand how that happened. But maybe Brenner can leave and go. I have no idea how this all works anymore. But yeah, I think big question marks. But Jordan, I mean, this team. Look at that: ten goals and eighteen goals each for Brenner and Brandon Vasquez. I didn't even really think of that last year, but that's forty-six goals out of. The goals they've scored so it's like this is insane um their contributions 24 and 26 like that that is an insane number i do have concerns if one of them do leave uh i really do uh because mm-hmm. i think they need to replace them otherwise I, I think you do see kind of a regression in the attack at least um so i think that that that's definitely something of concerns but man i was really impressed with them last year it takes a long time to find an attacker um, Ernst Tanner was trying for a while until he got Ura, right? Uh, you know, Shabilko was there, but he wasn't at the level of what we needed to really make a push to MLS Cup. So, you know, you get your hits, you get your misses, and, and there's times where you get a hit that is just like a low-level hit, not a huge hit. So that's the issue, right? If you sell one of these players, they got you 18 goals. And you bring in a player that scores five. It is a downgrade, a huge downgrade. So that is something to worry about. And it's like you can say Ernst Tanner has a great eye, right? And he brings in all these people that fit uh, what he's building in Philly. The issue is, even with that great eye, you can still miss. And that is kind of what I worry about. You know, I'm sure Albright thinks he can sort it out if one of them leave. I think any GM is going to think that. And he could. He could find some diamond in the rough somewhere. Or with Cincy money, he could probably go out and get an actual bigger name than what Philly could uh, with their owner. But again, it's all about adapting when they reach MLS and actually scoring the goals. And what is the main issue some of these teams have that we're talking about today? Uh, St. Louis, we're worried about them being able to score goals. Nashville, outside of Honey Mukhtar, we're worried about them scoring goals. And I'm worried about Cincy scoring goals if they lose one of these two. Um, But I still think that they can – I mean, I think they'll be a good team overall still. So I'm not not super worried. It's just – you know, where do we go from here? Um, 
if Brenner wants out and Brandon Vasquez is probably not going to stick around too much longer if he continues to tear it up. Right. So that's a question. Um, I guess, do you think that they're a top four team going into this year? uh, Or do they need to have a better defense to be that top four team? Yeah, this is a this is a million dollar question, right? I think I want to say in the attack, they're a top two team with these players that they currently have. I think they're in right behind the union. Yeah, their their front three was great. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I'd argue that the union just have a plethora of options, and and they just play cohesively as a unit together. Um, I, I think Lucho does have a hard time if he can't get it off the Brandon Vasquez or Brenner in the in these instances. Um, and Brenner, I think, didn't score till like right in June or something crazy, and they still had the season. So it, it just ended up being where, like, it is. It's like I think the attack, yes, is a. I mean, it could get them far in the Eastern Conference Final. Would not shock me for this team this year. Um, I think they are that good. I think Arias helps tremendously with some expertise. I think he had thirty, or I think he's thirty-one, has experience in big leagues like La Liga. Um, I, I think that's huge. I think that's a nice signing. It's really the only position they were missing. I, I guess I am concerned just because they've just never been able to settle the defense. But last year, towards the end, they did see a little bit more stability back there in that back line. So I, I think you know, second year under this system right? A second year with the three center backs, they're going to have to have some depth back there just because when you play three center backs in the back, you need at least five um, good quality center backs. And that's hard to find uh, in this league. Tremendously hard to find. I think there's a lot of teams that don't have two good center backs. So it it is, it's a concern. Yeah. I think they they will ship a lot of goals still. I I just don't think they're that formidable defensively. Um, But I do think that when you look at this team, Jordan, Besides Nashville, I just don't see a team better on paper right now, um, uh, you know, as far as challenging the union. So I, I would say the successful season is at least a four spot. Yes, I'd say this is a top four team if everything goes right and they kind of, uh, I guess, right the ship a little bit on the defensive end. You nailed it. Brenner's first goal was in June and it was against your Orlando City Lions. I guess that's why that stuck out to you. Yeah, I was like, it was uh, June for some reason. I two days that. before my birthday. I was in Salt Lake. Wow. Think about it this way. I was in Salt Lake you City when Brenner scored his first goal. You... And then he he scored 18. He had, uh, he had a hat trick against NYCFC. He had a hat trick against San Jose. Uh, he, had a, he had a double against uh, Miami, a brace against Miami, a brace against RSL, and a hat-trick against DC United near the end of the season. So, 18 goals, but they all came in like a flood after June. The end of June. So, I mean, I guess if he doesn't have a hot start, he could still turn it on, but it's pretty nuts. I didn't even realize that. Uh, so what do we th- think is a successful season for FC Cincinnati Good looking l- looking at them forward? Where, where are we drawing the line with Cincinnati? For me, I think they have to improve from fifth place. So I'm going to say they have to be a top four team in the East. And 
maybe make a little bit of a run in the playoffs, but I'll 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 not put that pressure on them. I'll just say top four team, show some growth. Um that's contingent on keeping, you know, their attackers or at least finding a pseudopool replacement, though. But I would say with this squad right now, they should be top four. You already spoiled mine. Fourth and above, right? I think um, I got a little too carried away myself. But yeah, fourth. And I would say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a little bit more, Jordan. I think that they should contend with some of the top teams in the East. And they should be around that number three or, you know, two spot. Um with a little bit of dip off maybe here or there in the summer if they lose one of these players. But I really do think that this team, and I, I hate throwing all my eggs in a basket of Cincinnati just because this could go totally awry in the defensive area again, and then the other two can't figure out how to score again, then then it's back to square one. But I just don't feel like Pat Noonan is that kind of coach to allow that happen. I think Chris Albright would fig, you know, he'd figure out a way to get players in here that really need to kind of gel with this team should they lose one of these guys or two of these guys. I just, I don't know. I would say, yeah, fourth spot and above. Yeah, I mean, I think they're on the right path here compared to, uh, you know, when they went through like five managers and GMs in their first couple of years or whatever it was. Couldn't even uh, identify yeah. the right coach. Yeah, when they went through Mr. Clean and everything. <laughs> so let's move on to the Columbus crew. This is a difficult one here because we have the new head coach Wilfred Nancy coming over from Montreal they finished eighth in the east just two points out of a playoff spot and that cost Caleb Porter his job after missing playoffs two consecutive years after winning MLS Cup against Seattle Sounders so again the roster was pretty good on paper we had high expectations for them but they did not live up to it they scored 46 goals but they only gave up 41, so their defense was there. The attack was sort of there, but it just came out to in the final 15s a minute, uh, final 15 minutes of games when they were ahead or tied, they conceded 17 goals, which is <laughs> a tough thing to overcome. It was maybe a mentality issue. Not really sure. But NTN did not look good in the attack, along with, you know, Aiden Morris, uh, Zella Ryan, Chucho, Nagby. Chucho looked pretty good, I guess. Nine goals and 16 appearances and 14 starts. But uh, so we'll have a full season of him. Zella Ryan was good, but not at his usual MVP production 10 goals and seven assists. So looking back at last year, an overhaul was needed, right? Yeah, I mean, and I and I think that's what ultimately was decided, right? I mean, what was it? Two isn't that wild? That was two years ago where this Columbus Crew team was put together. At Kevin Molino coming back healthy, they thought that this team was going to be one of those historic teams that breaks the LAFC. I think it was LAFC, right? That set the record for points. Um, but it, it just it it seemed like this Crew team, Jordan, had so much hype, and then still had some remnants of it last year. But it just never, it never lived up to it. And I, I, I think if you look at it from bird's eye view, right? What crew was sixth or seventh that time when they win MLS Cup? Like they upset a ton of people in the kind of the bottom of that Eastern Conference bracket. I can't remember what seed they were. I, I know they I'll weren't. Check. The, I'll check. Yeah, I know they weren't in the top of the league that year that he was there. But then they go and put this team together after winning MLS Cup, which I mean, if you get in the playoffs, anything can happen in this league. We've seen it. 
Um, and they're a prime example. They were third. Okay, so not the bottom, but still. They were six points off of the Union who won Supporter Shield. Okay, so um, I, am, I was wrong. But, yeah, I, I think. Not, still not like. Not world beaters. Not the favorites. Right. right. Yeah. Anyway, I, I thought they were lower. Definitely the weren't the favorites against yeah. Sanders. You know, yeah. and that was a beating. Yeah. In the cup final. That was the first MLS cup final we covered here. Um, just me at that time. But then yep. Logan joined in. He's like, man, this crew team looks great. And then that went south. So you can blame him if yeah. you are a crew fan. Yeah, between Ohio and Illinois. They're really good. Then we had us. the rebrand. They've been through some stuff. <laughs> they, they, yeah. They, yeah. They almost left for Austin or did leave yeah, for Austin. They, and then they came back. Like, <laughs> no, but yeah, I think. Zellerion just hasn't been that crazy world player that I think uh, they thought he was going to be. Um, I think he's very good. He just doesn't hit like the Carlos Heel or the Hani Mukhtar level numbers, um, which I think is kind of kind of the story too. Um, Chucho adding him in, I mean, nine goals uh, in 16 appearances. That's like, that's some crazy, you know, golden boot levels. I think uh, if you kind of double that up. So uh, came onto the stage and played really well, but yeah, they got some really good performance uh, performances or you know stable performances, uh, but it just wasn't ever enough. It seemed like they had a consistency issue and just never had the had the attack going in the way that they needed to have. Um, they needed a high cylinder, you know, a high level attack firing on all cylinder kind of attack. But they never had it. All right, so they have uh, they they lose Jonathan Mensa, that just came through a little bit ago, right? Uh, earlier this week. I'm gonna say earlier this week or weekend or something. Derek Entian Jr. and Pedro Santos law left in free agency. Arthur was traded to Houston, so they've gutted some of the team. Now they bring in center forward Christian Ramirez from Scotland. Uh, they also have signed a homegrown defender, Keegan Hughes. But that's it, really, for their arrivals. But I think their biggest arrival is the head coach, Wilfred Nancy, who nobody was expecting Montreal to be as good as they were last year, and they pulled it off. So I cannot doubt that he can right this ship. I think he can get through to the players enough where maybe they can be bigger than the sum of their parts, right? That they can overplay what we think that they will reach. Um, I, that's that's my opinion. So it's like, can Zellerian get back to the next level? That's needed. That is needed, right? He needs to be better than last year. Chucho needs to be at the production level he was at last year for a full season. And then they have to... I don't know what is their what is their level Logan like when you look at this team that hasn't added enough but they have a really great head coach that maybe can put them up you know playing punching above their weight what are we what are we looking for in this team when we're watching them this year um other than just expecting Zellerian to kind of rebound I was going to say, uh, avoid the question of what are you know what are we looking at instead of like the what are we doing? What are we doing? I feel like that's the crew fans right now. Like, what are we doing? 
Um, I think they're going in the right direction. Like you said, I think the biggest signing that they had was Nancy. Um, and I, I feel like Wilfred Nancy is somebody that going forward is, you know, I think he's the staple of this team. He's the foundation. Um, and they're just going to build upon it. Chucho is a really young striker. I did not realize that he was that young Jordan. He's, I think it, FP ref always does like the year prior as their age 22. So he's, I think he's probably 23 now, um, but that's really young for that, for that forward. That's played so extremely well coming in MLS, but that is Wilfred Nancy's thing is taking young players and developing them into really, really good players like Alistair Johnson, like a Jordi Mihaljevic, right? So you've got like a lap night line. And so you've got different pieces that I think this team, uh, is it, it's exciting looking forward. I think that, you know, this year I, I would, I would say, you know, they're, they're going to have expectations to getting back into the playoffs really. Um, and I think that's kind of where you, you look at it as a starting point and say, okay, we, we just missed out on the playoffs. We need to be a playoff team um, and not to get too much into the predictions, but I think looking at this team, Jordan, I think they're set up really well for the future because the key addition of Wilfred Nancy and I think have some really good pieces like an Aiden Morris, um, like a Chucho. They've got an, a really nice value piece of, of Christian Ramirez. Maybe they kind of figure out how to play him as like a second striker kind of thing. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, they've got remnants of a really good team. I just, I'm afraid that the window will close before some of these players really turn out to be something from for the crew. They'll move on, and then that's when Nancy kind of gets in players that he needs next year to get this team kind of turned around. So what's a successful season for them? I think the answer is easy, right? It's got to be playoffs. That's why they fired Caleb Porter. So you don't fire the manager that won you an MLS Cup if he missed two years in the playoffs, if you were not expecting playoffs from the replacement. So I feel like that's as easy as one that we've had is make the playoffs and you're probably safe. And I think Nancy has time Anyway, I don't think he's getting fired if he misses the playoffs this year. But I think for them to feel like they're back on the trajectory, it's making the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's that playoff spots, whether it's six or seven, I think, in the East it's doable. But, yeah, I would say What that. I would probably add to that, too, is while I think playoffs are the bare minimum, mm-hmm. I think they would love if it's higher than eighth. Because if there's nine playoff teams yeah. last year, Caleb Porter's not fired. They're in. <laughs> yeah, that's they true. finished eighth. You know, so I would I would think you want to still see some progression. So you're probably hoping for seventh, sixth, like you said. That's probably the only stipulation I would add. But I think ownership would probably be fine with just with just playoffs. I think fans want to see some progression. Is probably how I would put that. All right, let, let's, you know, saving best for last here. We got Chicago Fire, head coach Ezra Hendrickson. They finished 12th in the East. Uh, so, look, they didn't get wooden spoon. So that's that's a plus, right? Because it doesn't go well with Fire, <laughs> right? But they scored only 39 goals and gave up 48. So they still don't even have as bad as the defense of some of these playoff teams. They just can't score. Second worst attack in the league. Uh, John Duran uh, led the team with eight goals in 27 matches and 14 starts. That's right. Led the team with eight goals. And guess what? He's gone. 
He left. Taston Villa. The person that had great amount of clean sheets, Gaga Slonina, he's gone to Chelsea. So now they also lost their starting right back. They also have lost Bornstein and uh, Ivanov. So some of these depth pieces are gone. Dire need is gone. All of these players that were huge for the fire are gone. Now they do have some arrivals. Swiss attacker Marin Halle Salese. Salese? Uh, he's from the Switzerland uh, area. And then also signed 30-year-old right back Arnaud Sequet, uh, a Frenchman, so maybe not pronounced that way. I apologize. And they also bring in Jeff Gall, that is possibly the starting goalkeeper. Logan, what is this team? <laughs> what are we doing? Right? Well, you know what, Jordan? You know what they're, the fans are often asking about this ownership he can't keep getting away with it he can't keep getting away with it he won't it's over we are screwed i have never been so low on a team starting a season is that is that that's not an exaggeration i don't think like i have never seen a team it's almost like we were high on them last year weren't we yeah we thought maybe pushing back towards the playoffs because this team adds a shabelko they add shakiri they've got john duran who comes out of nowhere gaga slonina we thought could be what he ended up becoming so like we thought man this team uh i think if they can figure things out defensively this team could have been pretty decent maybe an eighth ninth tenth spot so which would have been improvement on, on how they do finish. But man, I, you might've been throwing strays at them, but surely enough, they deserve them. Um, just because I think that everything that's been going on with this team, they've just been, could you imagine being Shakiri coming to Chicago, playing in soldier field where nobody comes to your games. And then you're, you're forced to play in this really cold weather, crap weather that the fans don't care. The ownership doesn't care. Ezra's going to be fired this year. Like there's no doubt in my mind that he gets fired. And unfortunately it's got nothing to do with what he's done. I don't think, I think it's got a lot to do with just the, the product on the field. And Jordan, what really, what shocked me, I think I put it on here somewhere, but maybe I didn't. Uh, I want to say that they, yeah, I did put it on there. So the Chicago fire have now missed the playoffs for a club record fifth straight year. And the 11th time, in 13 seasons. Like, at what point, Jordan, and I know this is Chicago, this is supposed to be a big market, at what point do you move this team out of Chicago and just hope that you can go find somewhere else that this becomes, or do you just dissolve this franchise? Because it just, it doesn't seem like they're interested at, at all in being any kind of quality product. Um, I don't think you can do either of those things. I think it'd be more likely that they force a sale, but I think they were just bought not that long ago. They should uh, return it. <laughs> Receipt. <laughs> yeah, it's... Look, look the, you know, one thing that the new owner did do was get them out of the awful Bridgeview uh, contract lease that they had. But when you then moved... You have to perform if you want fans to show up. 
The other issue becomes how it looks on TV. When you have a huge stadium like Soldier Field and you have 10,000 people there spread out everywhere, it looks bad, which then makes people not take it seriously, which then makes nobody go to the game. It's like this perpetual cycle of people don't take it seriously because it looks poor because you're playing on a football field in an empty stadium. The reason people didn't go to Bridgeview is that it was out of nowhere. And also because the team sucked. I mean, it, it, it was both, right? That is just the realistic. And I, I'm sure, even though, like you said, I've been throwing some strays at them for a bit, throwing some shade as well. It's warranted, and I'm sure Chicago fans, I would hope, feel so much worse than I do about this. Like, I, I think that they have to be furious they have to be upset. Yes, they rebranded again. Woo, you know, but it's and thank God it looks good because whatever <laughs> the hell they were wearing last time with the oval that they call the crown badge was the worst badge in MLS history. And we used to have the Tampa Bay Mutiny here. All right. So there was there needs to be progress. And the thing is, this squad doesn't look like progress. You sell two of your most uh, like young up and coming people for lots of money. And guess what? I haven't seen that get sent in to this team at all. Now, of course they don't get the full money that goes to MLS. And then they also, you know, get a, but still that's enough money to be able to do more than what you're doing. Thankfully the union fleeced them for Shabilko. That was, I told everyone last year that was not going to be enough. It was not. He scored five goals. And this team just didn't have an attack. I think, yeah, you, you, they need to work out some of the defense, but the attack is the worst spot, right? I mean, 39 goals. Second worst attack. Like, what do you do? Your leading goal scorer who's gone had eight goals. <laughs> Hani Mukhtar at 23, and we're worried about the second runner-up having five. He almost had that scored. guy had three less than the leader <laughs> on Chicago Fire. That is what's worrying. And now I'm sure some of the fans are upset, and some of them are probably not paying for Apple TV. They're probably not paying for the MLS season pass, which means less investment in Chicago is going towards soccer because you've pushed away the fans. 11 out of 13 years of not making the playoffs? Yep. I need to look up their whole history now. I, I need to see the last time they were in the playoffs. Don't tell me. I was going to say the last, the two seasons they were in the playoffs. I imagine had to be Bastian Schweinsteiger, maybe. Probably. That's probably one of the years. That's brutal, though, man. Like, Chicago's just cursed with bad teams. So last year they finished pretty low, right? And then... Yeah. I'm now interested because I, I like what two years randomly did they make the playoffs? Because if they're consecutive, could you imagine? Oh, having to watch this just mm. well, they missed it in 2021. Oh my god, I'm wondering if they 
Did they make it in 20? Oh, my God. They didn't even make it when they expanded playoffs in 2020. 2020 had 10 playoff teams. They were 11th, all right? They were above Chicago, but uh, so they didn't make it the last three years. So it has to be 2019 that they made it. No, they missed it in 2019. They finished eighth. Twenty eighteen. I'm gonna cut all this down so it's not long gaps. Twenty eighteen, they finished tenth. Looks like it's twenty seventeen. No wonder nobody third. shows up. Yeah. Yep, they finished third in the East in twenty seventeen. And then before that, they didn't finish. They finished sixth in two thousand thirteen, which was not a playoff spot at that point. And then 2012 was their last playoff before that. So in the last, like, yeah, in the last 13 or 12, 13 years, they've been in the playoffs twice. Like, they had a really good stretch, Jordan, when they were, like, one of the only teams in the league. <laughs> like, when the league was, like, the size of, I think, like, eight teams played. I don't know how many played, but, like, uh, 10 maybe. I don't know. Um even when there was only 20 teams, they didn't make the playoffs in 2015. <laughs> There's only 20 teams back then. Let's yeah. let's think about that. That's how far we've come in the last 13, uh, no, last uh, eight years. For 29 Hell, teams. Half those teams don't even exist anymore, probably. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were awful in 2014, 2013, when we were on program together. Six they in the East. missed it. By they were, were tied on points. I, I think I watched one of their games when I was down there because yeah. they were in the hunt for a playoff spot against Montreal. Montreal had 49. Yeah, so I mean, not great from Chicago. And really, they have won MLS Cup, but you know how long ago that is? 1998, their first year in the league. <laughs> All downhill since then. I mean, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> that's bad. Like, really bad. I mean, it's been really bad, and I think it's only getting worse. Like, this team is worse than last year's team. I can say that with 100% confidence. You know what this got better, team, though? Their, their logo. Their logo, it is pretty. I will say that. And maybe their kits are beautiful. We don't know yet. But maybe it doesn't look like a Pop-Tart. I don't know. Like, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe they're three of the 29 clubs that we have that have a decent kit. <laughs> so, yeah. Stay tuned for our, yeah, stay tuned episode. So, so I guess we're, you know, been bashing them, I guess. I, I, I try not to do that because I understand how that can sound if you're a Chicago fan listening, but I look, I'm frustrated for you. This is a big market. They were once a good team. I mean, they were a playoff team when I started watching. Jordan, they won MLS Cup. Yeah, with Bob Bradley. <laughs> I mean, it's just what is successful for them this year? Because we're ripping them like this. They didn't even finish last in the East. But they are almost favorites to finish last in the East this year because I think Rooney's going to give – DC a bump. I like a lot of the signings DC has made. This team has stood mostly still and lost its best pieces. A successful season, I think, is not finishing last in the East, is is where I'm going to have to draw the line here. Yeah, I Unfortunately. agree. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think everybody else in the whole league has gotten better aside from maybe Houston and them. So, like, <laughs> avoid wooden spoon. Really, honestly. Like, I, I, I do feel really bad for these fans. Um, I'm a Cubs fan, man. I, I know what it's like to have that city just on its head all the time. So, it just – this is tough. And, and again, we don't mean to sound like jerks, but my goodness, if you're a Chicago fan and you're excited about something, let us know because I just don't, I just don't see it. And I can't imagine that some of these players want to be there anymore. Just, uh, I just, it seems like a really bad mix. It seems like it's going in a really sour direction um, because I think once this team starts to get to the bottom of that league, there's not much looking up from then. It's going to take at least three or four years to rebuild it. So yeah, not, no, dire straits ahead um and i think chicago are a dumpster fire instead of just the fire yikes i mean is there much more else to say but like you said if you are a fire fan and you're listening to this saying we got it wrong or i'm very happy about this one player we have coming in let us know what are you excited about what keeps you what keeps the fire burning inside of you for the this franchise because this has been for so many years now uh it's just it's at that point now where I, I, look i can remember all the way back to like 2015 them being in the running for wooden spoon and feeling bad for them there but it's just it's getting progressively worse every year i mean dc united saved them from being bottom in the east and dc united was was awful they were not they were not good but like i said i i not to spoil that preview i i think that might be about to change so hopefully no more downward trajectory hopefully it's all up from here if you want to give us any sort of follow on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, it's at Stateside Show. Logan and I, sometime before the season starts, hopefully, we'll be doing our YouTube exclusive ranking or rating the new kits for the MLS season. We're going to have like a three level ranking where it's buy it now, which with some of these prices may not be a lot of them anyway. Wait for Ross <laughs> and uh, don't buy, which with some of the designs might be a lot of them. So, <laughs> it might just not buy any kits this year, guys. <laughs> might just be some t-shirt kind of people. But yeah, it might be a very depressing episode. Yeah. We'll but, take you through Fanatics in the t-shirt shop. <laughs> oh my God. I, I wish they didn't deal with Fanatics all the yeah. time either. Yeah. Their store is awful. Guess what? Apparently, the union are not selling their home kit anymore. Why? Uh, well, just Fanatics took them all down. Uh, so we only have our new kit up oh, there. I'm not sure what good. is going on there. Good. Speaking of the union, Jordan, our last preview will be taking place on Monday. We will have Todd on from the Free Kick Pod, and we're going to be covering the Red Bull, NYCFC, Philly, DC, and the Revs, the Northeast, baby. It's exciting. Well, up there. actually, Maryland is in the South. And That's, thank God they don't I'm have a team. Sorry. Because that, Pennsylvania yeah. is the Northeast. I need to stop saying specific regions because I just get yelled <laughs> at on Twitter. Thank you for listening to our Midwest preview. We will catch you all next time.
his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. men's national team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.